And now, more sports and torts with David Spada and Elliot Herring. Welcome back to Sports and Torts on TalkZone.com. And now for part two of the interview that David and I had with former college coach Howard Schnellenberger. Welcome back to Sports and Torts on TalkZone.com. And now for part two of the interview that David and I had with former college coach Howard Schnellenberger. You were mentioning the parade. You had the parade. I mean, everybody was so crazy about you guys in Miami. Yeah, and we had... Because we had done something that was impossible. We, the, the, you know, the, the um, uh, Nebraska Cornhuskers, the greatest football team I ever put together. They had 22 game winning streak. They, they had outscored their opponents. They, they scored. They scored in the 60s, average over 50. And uh, they had a Heisman Trophy winner, the Allen Trophy winner, and. Turner Gill is a quarterback. Nobody could beat them. They were a 17 point favorite. They outweighed us by 20 points, 20 pounds at every position. And, uh, it was unheard of that we could win the game in the Orange Bowl. Uh, but the Orange Bowl was packed with, uh, with people that had been, that had been starving for football for 60 years. And had voted to drop football to another level, and we're only going to, you know, they, they didn't drop the, uh, didn't drop that measure when I came in there, but they tabled it. And that meant they put it on the table for five years, and if I didn't get it done, they were going to drop football to another level. And uh, but more importantly than that, you know, you know how we won that thing. We were ranked fifth in the nation. When we played that game, we played it at nine o'clock at night. And, uh, number two was playing at two o'clock. Number three was finishing at two o'clock. Number three was finishing at six o'clock. And number four was finishing at eight o'clock. And ours was a nine o'clock game. So as we went through that day, number two got beat. Number three got beat. Number four got beat. And I'm a son of a bitch. We're not number five playing number one for the national championship. Now everybody that's a, as considers themselves as a have not, whether it be financial or uh, looks or love life or whatever, you know, you've always been, always been the underdog. Uh, they turned on their television sets. They turned their radios on. They, uh, they were there. And, uh, when we, when that came down to that last play, when they went for two, uh, and we knocked it down and we win the game and it exploded on national television that went up. No, it was one of those kind of TVs that went all the way to, Saturn and Uranus, submarines, everybody got it. And uh, David has, slid, has slid, slid, killed Goliath. You know what? I think that was God saying that everything you did was okay there because he wanted a Catholic university to win. <laughs> you wanted a Catholic university to win? What do you mean? In Miami. Maybe he thought you guys were more religious than the other four schools. No, I thought we were worse. Uh, when we played in Notre Dame, it was Catholics against uh, convicts. But anyway, that's the story. And then you that's built, the and then you built up that Louisville program the same way. 
Yeah, we uh, it took more it, it was more effort to do that than it was uh, the Miami thing. Was well, Miami. I got there at Miami. Lou Saban had, had some good players there, and, and I knew we could win a football. We could do well in five years. When I got to Louisville, there was only five players on the whole team that should have been there. The rest of them should have been at Eastern, Western, Murray, Marshall, Moorhead, and any of those Kentucky schools that, or teacher schools. And I knew it was going to be a hard struggle, and it was. We went two and nine, three and eight, and three seven and one in the first three years. And shit, it, it, that was that was a, after being the national champion, go to Louisville, which that was my hometown. That was one of the reasons why I wanted to go there. And uh, and for us to take them to. Uh, uh, went over Alabama, uh, seven and two season, put us about, uh, number, oh, 12 or 13 in the nation, built a Papa John Stadium there, um, and leave a legacy there that now has, uh, grown into, uh, having a, a Yum Center as a basketball arena, the greatest basketball arena in the world on the Ohio River made out of glass. Uh, and I was up there this past week to watch Miami play Louisville. And you probably wanted to see some horse racing, too. Well, I could look over my shoulder in the stadium and see Churchill Downs. <laughs> yeah. And then you, you leave Louisville after 94. Yeah, and I go to them. Well, I left because uh, I wanted to win the national championship, and I had told everybody that if they came with me, we would uh, have a try for the national championship while they were there at school. And uh, and we were getting we we were we were on our way to fulfill that dream. And my president at that school uh, decided unilaterally to put us in uh, Conference USA. I had uh, over the years there uh, fixed a schedule that uh, allowed us to play the best teams in America and and win most of the time, which would allow us someday to be the national champion. But when we put us in that conference, uh, that that uh, kept us from having any chance to win the national championship. So that made me out a liar to all those players and coaches that I. Talk to we talked to men to come in into that dope that uh, that uh, down and out program uh, got them to come and and build to become a national champion. So when Oklahoma came courting, I uh, I was vulnerable and I, I took the job because I sure thought they would give me a chance to win the national championship. When you get you you don't win a national championship, you kind of get addicted. Yeah. And that uh, that season in Oklahoma, did, did you learn anything from that? <laughs> did I learn anything? I sure as hell did. I sure as hell did. You know, you and I could write a book about this. You, you just <laughs> you just hit, you just hit every damn thing I got in my book. You don't even need a book. Yeah, I learned a lot in that. Uh, I learned a lot uh, from that. I learned that uh, what my what Paul Brown, Paul Bryan had told me 
uh, as an assistant coach when he knew I was getting ready to become eligible to be a head coach. He said, one thing to remember, always be hired by the president of the university or the owner of a pro team. Don't be hired by an athletic director or a general manager. And I violated that uh, that uh, instruction because the, the president of Oklahoma was up in Washington, D.C., being a senator. And the A.D. was down there fighting a the battle uh, to either bring in a very Switzer coach or bring in an outsider new guy. And he had one vote that carried the day. That wasn't the president's vote. He didn't have a vote because he was just coming in. And uh, so I went in there as a pick of the athletic director with a plurality of one in the in the Congress in the uh, in the uh, trustees. And when the president came back over there, uh, he had been a former governor of the state of Florida. I mean, the state of uh, Oklahoma. And had been a dear friend of uh, Switzer and thought he was God's gift to Oklahoma with the great job he did of uh, publicizing and selling Oklahoma's football to the world. And um, so when I came in there with my robust uh, hyperbole and, uh, and doing what I had done to invigorate Miami and Louisville, by being the music man and and being involved with marketing and advertising and ticket sales and the whole ball of wax because the universities weren't uh, astute enough to handle that. And I went into Oklahoma, which had been a, a proud uh, tradition and proud school for years back to back to. Uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Bud Wilkinson. Bud Wilkinson days, and uh, I came in there as a blustering outsider, uh, looking to change the image of uh, Oklahoma. And really, I wouldn't. Uh, I wasn't assuming. Uh, I wasn't trying to do that. But in essence, I did. I did, I did make a mistake of uh, not being more traditional and. Uh, when we uh, got into trouble with not winning enough games, uh, then the uh, that plurality of one I had started to disintegrate, and the president uh, started making his uh, uh, influence felt, and uh, they decided that they would uh, they would it would be better that I would not be the coach, and that's when the uh, rumblings of my alcoholism and my wife's shoplifting and all that stuff came out. And uh, when I saw what the what they were trying to get done, I said, well, you can't beat City Hall. So I uh, thought it was best that I resign and actually retire from football, which I did. And, uh, and it was best for the university and it was best for me. I don't think I've ever seen another coach have two complexes and major universities named after him. So you get the football complex of Louisville named after you and the stadium at Florida Atlantic named after you. It doesn't well, make don't, you feel forget, good. don't forget Kentucky now. That's not quite that strong, but I'm, I'm up there on the ring of honor in that stadium. I was an All-American football player there. And I, 
and a two-year coach, and um, I have great ties to the University of Kentucky. What's wrong with Miami? Why don't they put you up somewhere? Well, they don't have a stadium. <laughs> Where are you going to put me? <laughs> I'll put a statue up or something. On, on, on city, well, where they can't put it, can't put it at the stadium that's, that belongs to the Dolphins. <laughs> put it on the practice field. <laughs> that works. But they made me an honorary, uh, honorary, uh, player of, you know, honorary cane, and I have a real close relationship with them. I died. I've raised more money for uh, University of Miami than I have for Florida Atlantic because they have such a big base, and there's a lot of them around here. They, I, I, every time they're going to have a uh, alumni party, uh, well, anywhere, um, they invite me to it. And uh, in fact, last year they flew me up to uh, they flew me up to the bowl game on the charter flight. Nice. When Florida, yeah, Atlantic, I, when Florida Atlantic oh, yeah. came to you to, to find a football coach, and you found yourself, yeah. How, how difficult? Was, how, how tough was that? Uh, well, was, well, you have to understand the circumstances. I had been out of football, and I had uh, already already started my career in stocks and bonds. Uh, at sixty-five years old, I had to. Uh, to uh, Go take a Series 7 exam. You've heard about the Series 7 exam for, for uh, Stocks and Bonds, haven't you? Yes. Yeah. It's, the hardest, it's the hardest government's test there is, and I finally passed the son of a bitch. And I was working for NF Best uh, Stocks and Bonds and, and the, uh, you know, Stocks and Bonds business. And when the president from Florida Atlantic, uh, Thought it would be a good time to start a football team at his 40 year old uh, university and uh, offered me the job to be the director of football operations, start the team, go out and raise the money. Well, I had to raise my own salary too, but I had to raise enough money to go up to the legislature with a, a cashier's check for $5 million to get the license to start a football team and then they go on and raise $13 million to build a building to hang a jockstrap on because there wasn't any place to hang a jockstrap and uh, start a football team. And what a wonderful experience that has been. You know, Paul Bryant or Woody Hayes or Alonzo uh, Stagg or any of the great coaches of all times have never had the opportunity or the privilege of starting a a new football team, giving birth to a new football team. And, uh, and God, it was a godsend. It, uh, allowed me to finish out my coaching career in something that I consider my greatest achievement. Uh, to create a football team in a very short period of time, uh, to raise every dime, including my salary. Uh, no state money. I'm sure we raised a lot of money through contributions. And then to, uh, in the third year of our existence, so uh, we're at Division One AA. That was a level we started at. We get into the playoff, 16 game playoff out of 135 teams played Division One AA. We get in there in the top 16 and we win two games and lose in the quarterfinals and end up fourth in the nation without a senior class. 
And then we uh, move ahead and get into the Sun Belt Conference, become Division One, win the conference, go to the New Orleans Bowl, beat the hell out of this, uh, Memphis State, 40-something to 14 or 10. And uh, and then uh, the following year, go up to the Motor City Bowl and beat East, East, uh, Eastern Michigan to be the only school in the States in those two years to go back-to-back bowl champions. And in the following few years, we uh, were able to get the stadium erected in 2011, 40,000-seat stadium, 1.2 miles from the ocean. Uh, has a press box, uh, four, a five-story press box that goes up 155 feet in the air. Has an ocean view. That's the only way you had to get up that far to get over the treetops and the buildings to look down on the ocean. It's got a big circular driveway up to the press box area for valet parking. Anyway, the only university with valet parking that I know of, and uh, become uh, become a, a, a home for what now is the uh, only city in America that has a bowl bowl game named on its behalf. We have the in our stadium, we have the Boca Raton ESPN committed to England to play the second Saturday in uh, December of this coming year. I was told by someone that the only person who could stop Paul Warfield was Don Shula. Do you agree with that? Because, I mean, he had Paul Warfield in those teams in the early 70s, and it doesn't never seem like he got the ball enough. We didn't have to throw it enough. We had Warfield, we had, we had Zonka, and we had Kick, and we had Mercury Morris to give the ball to, and we had an ordinary quarterback named Greasy who couldn't throw the ball very far and very. So we, we were, and we had a Bill, Bill Arnsparger hit a rock hard, confusing defense that didn't allow the team to score very much. Yeah. And you also had Howard Twilley, and you had a couple of tight ends, and Marv Fleming, and Jim Hendricks. Yeah, but it's just like it was with it's just like it was with Brian. If you got good enough defense, you don't try to score a hundred. You try to score one touchdown more than your opponents. You, you you can lose you can lose a lot of games trying to score too much. Yeah. I I can remember you only that, having that's a, a that's, yeah. that, you know, put, put a hundred line on that statement. That's a that's a that's a word that a sage would say. <laughs> I remember you always having a mustache. What in a time? No, when not you... always. No, not always. It was in, the, in my return from going up to Baltimore, back to the Dolphins. Remember, I was three years going up to the uh, championship game, and then I went up to Baltimore and spent a year and a half, year and three games up there. Then I came back, and uh, while I was up there, I started growing. But a, a, a beard. I, I, well, I just sort of didn't shave. So when I got back there during the summers before the season started, I didn't shave. And uh, then when uh, that, that's a month, you know, about a month. And then I would uh, shave it off and go and go the next two and to the next summer. And the second summer I did that and I started to shave it off. And my youngest son Tim. Looked at me while I was shaving. Oh, he said, "Hey, leave the mustache on a while." <laughs> and I left it on a while, and then he liked it. And then 
finally my wife liked it when my wife wife liked it that said I liked it. So I left it on. And I had it on ever since. Okay. So is the best thing to come out of your playing career in the Canadian Football League with Toronto meeting Beverly? Of course, it's the best thing that happened to me in my life, and I talk about that a lot in the book. She's the uh, she's the assistant head coach. She's the uh, mother of my children. She's my accountant. She's my doctor. She's my nurse. She's my bookkeeper. She's my uh, assistant head coach. She's the uh, uh, the discipline of the family. I hope without her, I wouldn't have had a chance. I hope she gets paid well. I take it out. She takes it out in trade. <laughs> so, did you ever become a Kentucky Colonel? Huh? Did you ever become a Kentucky Colonel? Because I know that's the highest. Everybody high. becomes a Kentucky Colonel. I'm a Kentucky Colonel. My wife's a Kentucky Colonel. They give them away like it's uh, <laughs> like it's water. Oh, I thought it was a great honor because when you talk to some of those guys, they're like, oh, it's an honor to be Ask When the next time you see them, ask them how many Kentucky curls are. They're in the millions. <laughs> Every politician up there can get you to be can get you to be a Kentucky colonelist because then you'll get, you'll get one more vote. <laughs> so, how satisfying is it to have a f- football stadium named after you, considering how many letters well, they got to put on that to spell out Schnellenberger? Well, it's not a stadium now. It's the field within oh. the stadium. Just the cost field. $20 million. It costs <laughs> $20 million to put, put your name on a field on a stadium. Okay. That does it for another edition of Sports and Torts on TalkZone.com. I'd like to thank our guest today, Howard Schnellenberger. Tune in again next time to Sports and Torts on TalkZone.com. Mm-hmm.